Welcome back to Inside Four Walls, the morning upload. Today's date is September 30th, 2021. And today we have a couple articles to get through, two as my standard. So we've seen a huge push from the federal government for people to get vaccinated or tested, so on and so forth. Now, I'm someone who's going to just want to wait and see what the long-term side effects are, come hell or high water. I'm not getting a vaccine without some long-term trials or shown, you know, not to have you have flipper babies later on in life. So I'm willing to wait. I'll see if you've been following some of the Project Veritas uploads lately. If you haven't, I highly recommend you go check them out. Uh, Johnson & Johnson's employee literally told the person interviewing them not to get the vaccine. And also said that they don't, that the federal government doesn't want people knowing that the vaccine's full of shit. On top of that, as I've previously covered in other articles, multiple countries have outright banned J&J Moderna and the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine. Now, here in America, even during Trump, especially during Biden, we see corruption run rampant. Most of the information we get today about how the inside of the machine works are done by leakers and people who go into, I don't know, sort of the inverse of witness protection. People who go to people like James O'Keefe at Project Veritas, they go to them and make themselves so public that anything happens to them, it's a little suspicious. Sort of the inverse but possibly equally effective version of witness protection. And for those of you who are saying, well, the FDA has approved the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine, so it's safe. I'm not a doctor, podcaster, legal garbly gook. Speak to your health professional, get an opinion, get a second opinion. I'd personally say if you're going to go that route, get a a second opinion on on this vaccine. But the two articles, first one from ProPublica by Kurt Morello. Headline is, FDA repays industry by rushing risky drugs to market. And the second article we'll be reading is, Why is the FDA funded in part by the companies it regulates? By C. Michael White. And that's on the conversation. That being said, this is the morning upload for Inside Four Walls. Without any further ado, let's get into it. So, as I've stated, the first article is from ProPublica. It is largely, to my understanding, a medical news and information site. Article is by Kurt Merlo. Pardon me. Headline, FDA repays industry by rushing risky drugs to market. Oh, my mistake. The art on top of the page is by Kurt Mer- uh, Kurt Merlo. This article is by Caroline Chen. My apologies. And a little bit on the reporter. Caroline Chen covers healthcare for ProPublica. She is currently reporting on the coronavirus pandemic. Her 2019 story is on heart transplant program in New Jersey that prioritized metrics over patient care won the Livingston Award for local reporting. Her story on racial disparities 
in cancer clinical trials with Riley Wong in 2018, won the June L. Beadler Cancer Prize for Cancer Journalism online and multimedia reporting. Previously, she has worked at Bloomberg News, where her coverage included the unraveling of the blood test maker Theranos. Well, that's an old story. And the 2014 Ebola outbreak. She received her master's degree from the Stabile program in investigative journalism at Columbia University, or CU, where she was awarded a Pulitzer Traveling Fellowship. Just a little bit on who wrote this article. This isn't, to my understanding, NewsGuard certified site, so just to give you a, back, a little bit of a background, I wanted to read the bio for Caroline Chen. <clears throat> article begins, As pharmaceutical companies underwrite three-fourths of the FDA's budget for scientific reviews, the agency is increasingly fast-tracking expensive drugs with significant side effects and unproven health benefits. The same FDA that says the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine is safe. I just want you to keep that in mind. And again, the headline for this is the FDA repays industry by rushing risky drugs to market. <clears throat> Nuplazid, a drug for hallucinations and delusions associated with Parkinson's disease, failed two clinical trials in a third trial under a revised standard for measuring its side effects, or its effects, my apologies. It showed minimum, minimal benefit. Overall, more patients died or had serious side effects of Nuplazid. Nuplazid? Nuplazid, N-U-P-L-A-Z-I-D, Nuplazid, then after receiving no treatment. So effectively, this drug, Nuplazid, was far more harmful to the person taking it than if they didn't receive any treatment whatsoever. Fascinating. Patients on Ulrich? U-L-O-R-I-C, Ulrich, a gout drug, suffered more heart attacks, strokes, and heart failures in two out of three trials than did their counterparts on standard or no medication. Nevertheless, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved both of these drugs. So the one drug, Nuplazid, Nuplazid, was far more harmful to the person suffering hallucinations and delusions or Parkinson's than not seeking any medical treatment whatsoever. FDA approved. And Euloric, a gout drug, the FDA approved it even though two out of three trials showed, showed people suffering from more heart attacks, strokes, and heart failures. And that's in two out of three trials that ended its counterparts or standard or no medication at all. Fucking fascinating. 
Nevertheless, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved both these drugs with a deadly aftermath. Ulrich's manufacturer reported last November that patients on the drug were 34% more likely to die from heart disease than people taking an alternative gout medication. I guarantee you that over it was over-the-counter stuff. Not anything you need a prescription for. Someone over-the-counter, then again, I have done much pre-research into this article. I only read little bits and pieces of it. So, who knows? Perhaps, how's it pronounced again? Euloric. Euloric. Is an over-the-counter. Let's find out. So, according to hopkinsarthritis.org, it is a prescription drug. Euloric is a prescription drug. Alright, so as I was saying, I will safely assume that Euloric wasn't even half as effective as when you can get over-the-counter without a prescription. That tends to be how these things work out. Now, back to the article. A little rewinding. Patients on Euloric were 34% more likely to die from heart disease. And that's the manufacturer reporting that. Than people taking an alternative gout medication. And since the FDA fast-tracked approval of Nuplazid and it went on to market in 2016 at a price of $24,000 a year, there have been 6,800 reports of, of adverse events for patients. It doesn't say effects. It says events. Adverse events for patients on the drug, including 887 deaths as of this past March 31st. That's March 31st of 2021. The FDA is increasingly greenlighting expensive drugs despite dangerous or little-known side effects and inconclusive evidence that they curb or cure disease. Once widely assailed for moving slowly, today's FDA reviews and approves drugs faster than any other regulatory agency in the world. Between 2011 and 2015, the FDA reviewed new drug applications more than 60 days faster on average than did the European Medicines Agency. Europe has also rejected drugs for which the FDA accelerated approval, such as F-O-L-O-T-Y-N, Fuliotin, Fuliotin, I'll go with, which treats a rare form of blood cancer. European authorities cited, quote, insufficient evidence of health gains from foliotin, end quote, which shrinks some tumors but hasn't been shown to extend lives. It costs more than $92,000 for a several-week course of treatment, according to research firm SSR Health. Now, what is SSR Health? SSR Health LLC is the leader in U.S. prescription brand drugs, pricing data, and analytics. Our priority, our priority net price database is recognized as a critical source of industry data by academics, brand manufacturers, and trade associations, policymakers, and the mainstream media. So, fuck them. <laughs> All that boils down to fuck them. Now back to the article. As patients or their insurers sell out tens or thousands or tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars 
for unproven drugs, manufacturers reap a windfall. For them, expedited approval can mean not only sped up sales, but also if the drug is intended to treat a rare disease or or serve a neglected population, the FDA intensifies incentivizes worth hundreds of millions of dollars. So they're saying right now, if there's a, let's say there's a novel virus that rolls into town and it's pretty new on the scene, spends about a year wrecking havoc on the general population. And some company just stands up and goes, we have a treatment for it. The FDA will rush it through approval process. And with that happening, and it being one of the very few people stepping up and being like, I have a magical cure for this disease. Well, the FDA incentivizes it to be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Not that I have any particular novel disease in mind. Quote, instead of a regulator and a regulated industry, we now have a partnership, said Dr. Michael Carone. Director of the Health and Research Group for a nonprofit advocacy organization, Public Citizen. Whew. And a former U.S. Department of Health and Human Services official, or DHS. Quote That relationship has tilted the agency away from a public health perspective to an industry friendly perspective. End quote. While the FDA over the past three decades, has implemented at least four major routes to faster approvals. The current the current commissioner, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, is easing even more drugs' path to market. The FDA okayed 46 novel drugs whose chemical structure hadn't been previously approved in 2017. And in at least 15 years. Wow. A chemical structure that hasn't been previously approved in 2017. The most in at least 15 years. Wow. At the time, it's rejecting fewer medications in 2017, the FDA's Center for Drug Evaluation and Research denied 19.7% of all applications for new drugs, biologics, and efficiency supplements, down from 20 down from a 2010 peak of 59.2%, according to the agency's data. President Trump has encouraged Gottlieb to give patients faster access to drugs. Quote. You bring that down. You're bringing that down, right? Trump asked the commissioner commissioner, at a May 30th event, referring to the time it takes to, takes to bring drugs to market. Quote, You have a lot of good things in the wings that, frankly, frankly, if you move them up, a lot of people would have a great shot. He said. Faster reviews means the FDA often approves drugs despite limited information. Also, Trump's not a doctor. 
he should just kind of shut his fucking mouth when it comes to medical procedures. I think the most agreeable thing I've ever heard him say about the vaccine is you should talk to your doctors about it. And he still got booed by a decent chunk of his audience, too, at his own rallies. You see his face when he when he sees our administration brought to the forefront one of the greatest, okay, the greatest vaccines the world has ever seen. Medical professionals said that it was impossible to have it out in the time we did it, but we did it in just under nine months. Y'all should go get vaccinated. And the whole crowd started booing him. Booing him. And you see his face. He, like, recoils. He's like, whoa, what? Like, he wasn't used to seeing that from his base. Right? That was a little bit of a side change. But you never see that from, you never saw that from his own base. And then he goes, or, 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 what you should do is you should go talk to your doctor. Find out what's best for you. He definitely said it a lot smoother than I just impersonated him. But he is, I hate to admit it, but we're being honest with ourselves, he's become a vaccine show. There's a lot of things I love about the man. There's a lot of great policies. There's a lot of great, I love largely how he pissed off everybody. All the people we've been wanting to see get mad, all the people that have been fucking us over, hated him. And we love to see them fucking seethe and cope and just thrash around for four fucking years. But there's a lot of things about Trump that I fucking hate. One of them being him being a vaccine shill. I get it. It was his operation that got the vaccines made. He's probably very, very, very fucking proud of himself. I get it. I'm not necessarily holding it against the fucking guy. I just don't like that he does it. Also, I don't really trust the vaccine. But I'm also not a medical professional. It channels more... and Into the article again. It channels more and more experimental tra- uh, treatments, including Nuplazid, into... Uh, ooh, I was going to sneeze. Expedited reviews. They require only one clinical trial to show a benefit to patients instead of a traditional two. Also, going off the last little rant I just did, I do want to add that a lot of times people on the right get accused of being in a cult. And there very much is, like, you got the QAnon crowd and shit. There's very much a, a certain level of people that have a, a, a cult-like... Um, admiration for Trump. If you go on my Rumble, oh, he's fucking this Rumble again. Yes, I am. There's a video. I can't remember which one. It's one of my at a Trump like Trump gathering, filming the people still going on holding their independent Trump rallies. There's a guy who shows up and he goes on a whole conspiracy theory about Trump, how he's the God King, and I. And if he's being ironic or he's doing it for the meme, he's very fucking good at it. Uh, but you never hear people on the left booing Joe Biden but Trump got booed people who paid money and traveled and or people who took time out of their day to go see a former president speak to a crowd actively booed the president they went to go see when he brought up vaccines meanwhile Democrats a lot of them are willing to say oh the economy is great and they also tell you on CNN, CNN came out and said, doing your own research is harmful. And I ask you, who is in a cult? Who is in a fucking cult right now? 
And the people on the right have no institutional power. They have none. At least not currently. I have a feeling with how things are going, if we, especially now with uh, what's going on, I, I might cover this later. Uh, it's only coming out of RBN, or RSBN, I should say. Uh, I guess the Arizona Attorney General is investigating the entire state for voter fraud based off the irregularities they found in the recent audit. We could very easily see a red wave. The Democrats are doing everything they can in their power to definitely make sure that fucking happens. But I, I ask you, Trump supporters are willing to boo Trump and bash him on policies. Meanwhile, the left is so mum to the word when it comes to dealing with Joe Biden or being honest with him. I remember I spent an entire month just traveling around talking to Trump supporters. People on the left would say, oh, Trump's a racist. I hate the way he talks. You know, I, I, I wish he would do shit differently. I don't like how, I don't like, I, I wish he would shut up a little bit. And you hear a lot of the same thing from Trump supporters. A lot of Trump supporters are like, I like him. He just needs to shut his fucking mouth occasionally. I wish he wouldn't talk so much. I wish he would handle himself a little differently. You hear a lot of the same complaints on both sides, but you never hear the left. So yeah, Joe Biden trips over his own words far too much. Yeah, I don't like that Obama always read a script. You never hear these complaints from the other side. So who is really in a cult? Anyway, now that I've done that little rant, let's get into the article again. The FDA also increasingly allows drug makers to claim success in trials based on proxy measurements, such as shrunken tumors, instead of clinical outcomes like survival rates or cures which take more time to evaluate. In return for accelerated approval, drug companies commit commit to researching how well their drugs work after already have gone after already going on the market. But these post-marketing studies can only take 10 years or longer to complete. Sorry, can take 10 years or longer to complete leaving patients and doctors with lingering questions about the safety and the benefit. <sighs> yeah, in the Project Veritas video, I was actually listening to them earlier and watching them after I got out of work. Ugh. Two people who are directly related to the vaccine rollout from Johnson & Johnson, they talk about how we have no long-term trials. We have no long-term idea of what side effects this vaccine might be. Because there have been, as they said, hasn't been like a 30-year study on it or anything. Now, it's a little hyperbolic to say you need 30 years. But you should at least have maybe 5, 10 years before you just go out and claim this vaccine's the end-all, be-all of COVID. Just an idea. And the fact that they're approving this shit. We've already seen a huge increase in myocarditis, and some 64% of the entire country's current hospitalizations with COVID are all people who are already vaccinated or recently double vaccinated. Meanwhile, the CDC has shown that most Americans naturally have some, like, it's upward of like 80% of Americans already have some natural protection against COVID, and people who have already had COVID getting double infected is ultra rare. <laughs> So, 
it's as easy to buy a scientist as it is to buy a politician. It's probably cheaper to buy a scientist instead of a politician. Keep that in mind. Whew. Quote, clearly, accelerated approvals has greater uncertainty. Dr. Janet Woodcock, head of the FDA Center for Drug Evaluation and Research, said in an interview, when only a single trial is used for approval, quote, in some cases, there may be more uncertainty about safety findings or with the magnitude of effectiveness. She attributed the increased use of expedited pathways to more drug makers developing treatments for rare diseases, quote, where there's unmet need and where the patient population and providers are eager to accept it, there is more uncertainty. End quote. The FDA's growing emphasis on the speed has come at the, ur- at the urging of both patients and advocacy, advocacy, eh, advocacy, advocacy groups and industries, which begin, which began in 1992, to contribute to the salaries of the agency's drug reviews in exchange for time limit on review. In 2017, pharma paid 75 percent or. 905 million of the agency's scientific review budget for branding and generic drugs compared to 27% in 1993. Quote, the virginity was lost in 92, said Dr. Jerry Avron, a professor at Harvard Medical School. Quote, once you have that pain relationship, it creates a dynamic that's not a healthy one, end quote. Industry also sways the FDA through a less direct financial route. Many physicians, caregivers, and other witnesses before the FDA advisory panels that evaluate drugs receive consulting fees, expenses, expenses payments, or other re- remuneration for pharmaceutical companies. Quote, you know who never shows up at the advisory committees? The people who died in the trials. Lament, lamented one former FDA staffer who asked not to be named because he still works in the field. Quote, nobody is talking for them. The drug industry lobbying group, pharmaceutical and pharmacentricals research, pharmaceutical research and manufacturers of America, continues to push push for ever faster approvals. In a policy memo on its website, Pharma, P H R M A, warns of quote needless delays in drug review and approval that led to longer development times, missed opportunities, and high drug development costs, and delays in treatments reaching patients. The agency has internalized decades of criticism that patient that paint it as an obstacle to innovation. Daniel Carpenter, a professor of government at Harvard, 
and author of a 2010 book on pharmaceuticals, on pharmaceutical regulations and the FDA. Quote, they now have a built-in fear of overregulation that set that sets in the that set in over the last 20 years. To be sure, nobody wants the FDA to drag out drug reviews unnecessarily, and even critics acknowledge that there's no easy way for agencies to strike the perfect balance between sufficient speed and ample information, particularly when patients have no other treatments available or are terminally ill. Quote, I think it's reasonable to move drugs faster, particularly in the case where you're dealing with an extremely promising new product which treats a serious life-threatening disease, said Dr. Aaron Kelsium, an associate professor at Harvard Medical School. Quote, the key though, when you do, that is that you're, God, I hate reading these quotes. Quote, the key though, when you do that, is that you've got to make sure you closely follow the drugs in a thoughtful way. And unfortunately, too often, we don't do that in the U.S. End quote. Greg Konslavs, or Konislavs, used to be a member of ACT UP, the HIV advocacy, advocacy group that tried to take over the FDA's headquarters in Rockville, Maryland in 1988 accusing the agency of holding back cures. While he didn't storm the FDA building, Gonslaves participated in other protests that led to the FDA to accelerate approvals. Now an associate professor of epidemiology at Yale School of Public Health, he said he fears HIV activists, quote, open Pandora's box, and that the industry and anti-regulation think tanks pounced on it. Quote, we were desperate. We naively had the idea that there were hundreds of drugs behind a velvet curtain at the FDA being held back from us. He said, quote, 30 years of our rash thinking has led to a place where we know less and less about the drugs that we pay more and more for. There's a lot of truth to those words. After... Thalidromide, T-H-A-L-I-D-O-M-I-D-E, taken by pregnant women to prevent nausea, caused thousands of babies in the early 60s to be born with stunted limbs. Jesus. Oh, maybe that's what the, uh, the, the butler from Scary Movie 3 had. His mom was taking a thaldamide. Thalidomide. Even sounds like some sort of like villain. Born with stunted limb in the 60s. Actually, wait a minute. My mom knew somebody. A guy named, uh. That guy's name was Jim. Has like one arm. And like his hands, like around where his elbow is. It's just like a couple of digits just sticking out of like a nub. 
Like, he has a whole arm. It's just super tiny. And it's like a few fingers sticking out where his elbow should be. Or practically where his elbow should be. It's like the rest of him grew up and he kept a baby on the whole time. Anyway. A little side note. It's probably not even that. It's just... I never really thought about it until now. <sighs> Ooh, excuse me. Congress entrusted the FDA with ensuring that drugs going on the market were both safe and effective. Based on, quote, substantial evidence from multiple trials. Assembling this evidence has traditionally required three stages of clinical trials. The first is a small cohort of healthy volunteers to determine safe, a safe dosage. The second, to access the drug's efficiency and the side effects. Efficiency and side effects. And then, if the results are positive two larger trials to confirm the benefits and monitoring the safety issues. An FDA team of two of in-house reviewers is then assigned to analyze the results and decide whether the agency should approve the drug. If reviews want, if your viewers want more input, the agency can convey an advisory committee of outside experts. <laughs> As the FDA's responsibilities expand in the 1970s, review times began to lag, researching more than 35 months on average in 1979. The AIDS crisis followed soon, therefore, or, sorry, as followed soon thereafter, prompting complaints from gun slaves and other activists. Their protests spurred the Prescription Drug User Fee Act in 1992, which established industry fees to fund the FDA staff salaries. In return, the FDA promised to review drugs within 12 months for normal applications and six months for priority cases. The, the more that the FDA relies on industry fees to pay the drug review pay for drug reviews, the more it shows an inclination towards approval, former employees say. Well, kind of, duh. God, this is going to tie into the other I was going to read, why the FDA is funded in part by companies it regulates. Jesus, I wonder. Maybe there's a reason I picked these two fucking articles. Maybe it's because we're also brand video. Quote, you don't survive as senior official at the FDA unless you're pro-industry, said Dr. Thomas uh, Markinick, a former FDA medical team leader and a longtime outspoken critic of how drug companies handle clinical trials. Markwick retired in 2014. Quote, the FDA has to pay attention to what Congress tells them to do. And the industry will lobby to get somebody else in, in there if you don't like, if they don't like you. <sighs> Let me read that again. The FDA has to pay attention to what Congress tells them to do. And the industry will lobby to get somebody else in there if they don't like you. So say there's a particular vaccine that people are saying, I'll only take it if the FDA approves it. And all of a sudden, Congress starts making all these moves to try and pressure people into taking a certain vaccine. And the FDA just approved one. 
and happened to be the one from the world's largest pharmaceutical company. <sighs> no, no, that wouldn't happen. No, not at all. It's my, I wear a MAGA hat, but my other has made a tinfoil. Senior staff, uh, sorry, staffers know, quote, you don't get promoted unless you're pro-industry, he added. This tilt is reflected in what senior officials choose to highlight. The agency's Center for Drug Evaluation and Research gives internal awards to review teams each year, according to Marcinic, M-A-R-C-I-N-I-A-K. Let's see, I'm not sure to pronounce this name. Uh, it was very accredited. Marciniak. Marciniak. No, that's right. I was pronounced. Okay. According to Marciniak and former FDA employee who requested anonymity, oh, suffer with that word. Both said they had never seen an award granted to a team that rejected a drug application. The FDA did not respond to ProPublica's request for a list of award winners. Higher-ups would also send congratulatory, congratulatory emails to medical review teams when a drug was approved. Quote, nobody gets congratulated for turning a drug down. But you get seriously questioned, said former staffer. Said the former staffer, according to the agency's attitude, is quote, keep Congress off your back and make your life easier. God, that's not something you want to hear when it comes to a, an agency like the FDA that literally approves. I don't know a certain uh, BioNTech vaccine that is now being in the workplace for workers to take. <laughs> You're right. Dr. Peter Lorre, a former associate associate commissioner who left the FDA in 2017, recalled that John Jenkins, director of the agency's Office of New Drugs from 2002 to 2017, gave an annual speech to employees summing up the year's accomplishments. Jenkins would talk about, quote, about how many approvals were done and how fast th and how fast they were but there was nothing in there saying we kept five bad drugs off the market said Lori now now president of the nonprofit center for science in the public interest in Washington DC Jenkins declined to comment quote i personally have no interest in pursuing people and pressuring people to approve things that shouldn't be approved. The actual person who would be accountable would be me, Woodcock said. She added that the FDA's, quote, accountability to the public far outweighs pressure we might feel otherwise. Congress has authorized one initiative after another to expedite drugs approval. Let me reread that. Congress has authorized... One initiative after another to expedite drug approvals. 
that is the the Congress directly influenced the FDA to approve drugs. Drugs include vaccines, shots, over-the-counter, whatever. And by the way, to a lot of you healthy guys out there, you know, bench pressing, getting the the gains. And you take muscle supplements and shit, you do realize most of those aren't FDA approved, right? So if the FDA approval is everything to you, why are most of your proteins and supplements you take for your exercise and shit not FDA approved? I'm just curious. Most of them aren't. Congress has authorized one initiative after another to expedite drug approvals. In 1988, it created the, quote, fast-track regulations. In 1992, the user fee law formalized, quote, accelerated approval and priority review. When the law was authorized in 1997, hey, that's a good year, the goal for review times was lower from a year to 10 months. In 2012, Congress added the designation, quote, breakthrough therapy, enabling the FDA to waive normal procedures for drugs that showed substantial improvements over available treatments. Quote, those multiple pathways were intentionally designed to be the exception to the rule. And now the exceptions are swallowing the rule. Kesselin said. 68% of novel drugs approved by the FDA between 2014 and 2016 qualified for one or more of these accelerated pathways. Kesselheim. Or Kesselheim. Kesselheim. And his colleagues have found. Once described by Rachel Sherman, now FDA Principal Deputy, Commissioner as a program, as a program for, quote, knock your socks off home run treatment and, quote, the breakthrough therapy was, or breakthrough therapy label was doled out to 27% or 28% of drugs approved from 2014 to 2016. Nuplazid was one of them. It was created in 2001 by a chemist at Acadia Pharmaceuticals, a small biotech firm in San Diego. Pfizer BioNTech. Hmm. They're not the same thing, I'm just that term. Eight years later, in the first of two phase three trials, it failed to prove its benefits over a placebo. Which means what does that mean? They put a actual they put lupazid up against like a sugar pill. And they said, this sugar pill here, well, they said, this drug right here will treat this disease for, uh, it was hallucinogenics, or or, uh, hallucinations, sorry. Lupazoid was designed to treat hallucinogenics in people with Parkinson's and shit. They said, this will treat these hallucinations. And they gave them, one batch got one pill that did nothing. It was nothing. It was like sugar. Pressed into a pill. 
Then the other one was the actual medication, Lupazoid. Lapazoid? Nuplazid. Sorry, Nuplazid. I had to look down my notes here. So one group was given Nuplazid, and the other one was given a placebo, which was like a sugar pill. And the people who took the sugar pill had better results than the people who took the actual medication, Nuplazid. Placebo effects. I mean, it's two out of three trials. Two out of three trials to placebo. Two out of three times the placebo had better effects than the actual medication. Shame. The company, which had no approved drugs and hence no revenue stream, halted the second trial, but wasn't ready to give up. Arcadia executives told told investigators that the trials failed because placebo patients had a larger-than-expected improvement. They asked the FDA for permission to revise a scale of use to measure the benefits, arguing that the original scale, which was traditionally used for schizophrenia assessments, was appropriate for patients with Parkinson's-related psychosis. The agency agreed to this new scale, which had never been used in a study for drug approval. So they took... Basically, they said, hey, the scientific method doesn't work for me. Can we use uh, Dr. Seuss science? And the judge went, hey, the, the silly zingy hingy mabobber works better. So use the silly zingy hibba mabobber. And the cat in the hat pulled out three vaccines out of his ass and shoved them in your face. They completely changed the traditional scale of measuring the effectivity, efficiency of a vaccine, or, well, in this case, a fucking psychosis, schizophrenic drug that showed to not be very effective to begin with. They said, hey, the means we normally use to decide whether or not something works, uh, it says it doesn't work. Can we change how we measure this to make it say it works? And the FDA went, sure. Hey, look, it works now using this new pulled fresh from our ass measurements. Wonderba. Since there was there were no treatments approved for Parkinson's related psychosis, the FDA also granted uh, Acadia's request for breakthrough therapy des- designations. And agreed that Nuplazid needed only one positive phase three trial instead of two for approval. In 2012, Acadia finally got the positive trial results it had hoped for. In a study of 199 patients, Nuplazid showed a small but statistically significant advantage over the placebo. Mind you, this is after they've changed the way they measured it. FDA medical reviewer, Dr. Paul Anderson, was skeptical analyzing all of Nuplazid's trial results. He found that you would need to treat 91 patients for for seven, 91 patients for seven to receive the full benefit. Five of the 91 would suffer, quote, serious adverse events including one death. 
he recommended against approval, citing, quote, an unacceptability increase, drug-related safety risks of mortality and serious morbidity. The FDA convinced an advisory committee to help it decide, meaning it influenced the advisory committee. 15 members of the public testified at, the, at its hearing. Three were physicians who were paid consultants for Arcadia. Four worked with Parkinson's advocacy organizations funded by Arcadia. Sounds like a lot of Arcadia money went into getting people to agree to this shit including pressuring the FDA to change the way they measure the effectivity rates of this disease to make it better than a placebo, which is just, like, sugar pill candy, essentially. It's a dot on a piece of paper. Remember how dots? Fucking, not not like the, the juju fruit, like, candies, like little jelly things. No, it's a piece of yellow, blue, red, and pink hard candies on paper. Fucking works. You eat more paper than you do candy. Anyway, the company paid for the travel of three other witnesses who were relatives of Parkinson's patients and made videos to show the committee of two other caregivers. Two speakers, the daughter and granddaughter of a woman who suffered from Parkinson's, said they had no financial relationships with Acadia. However, the granddaughter is now a paid, quote, brand ambassador for New Plazin. All begged the FDA to approve New Plazin. I'm not paid by this company who employs me to be a brand ambassador. They don't pay me. I work for free. And of course, that's saying she worked for them later on, but I'm... I'm Sketchy. So, a bunch of people from Parkinson's advocacy groups who get paid by Acadia went on trial and said this drug made by Acadia is good. And one of the people, well, one of the two people whose grandparent apparently had Parkinson's said this is fine, and that one of the two people who said that this is a fine drug, highly recommend. 11 out of 10 would would sell to a friend is now a high-ranking employee at the plaza. Food for thought. Quote, Acadia or its consultants interacted with some of the potential, potential speakers to facilitate logist, logistic, logistics, my god, I'm tripping over words today, and reimbursed for travel as a as is common practice. Acadia spokes, uh, spokeswoman Alina Ridloff said in an email, quote, all speakers presented their own experiences in their own words. And stayed at a hotel we paid for and flew in on a plane we paid for and got paid to say what we wanted them to say. Oh yeah, not to mention, uh, all these groups are in our pocket. Nice. The only speaker who 
urged the FDA to reject the drug was a scientist at the National Center for Health Research who has never had any financial relationships with Acadia. So the only person there who didn't receive any money from Acadia said, hey, this drug sucks. Don't take this drug. This drug will fucking kill you. Your Parkinson's is a disease that makes you have more shakes than fucking Dairy Queen. Uh, will also, you know, give you an increased rate for heart failure and failed two of its three trials, and then they had to pay the FDA to completely revise the way in which they measured these drugs' effective rates, uh, is shit. Don't use it. The witnesses, please affected, the witnesses please affected the panel members who voted 12 to 2 to recommend accelerated approval. Yikes. Pay to win, boys. Quote, if there were a safe and effective alternative on the market, I would have voted. I would not have voted yes, said Almut Winterstein, a professor of pharmaceutical outcomes and a policy at the University of Florida. Uh, that's you of you fucked up, you of f you of fucked. Quote, but I think that in particular the public hearing today was very compelling. There clearly is a need. Dr. Mitchell Mathis, director of the FDA's Division of uh, Psychiatry Products, sided with the advisory panel overruling Anderson. Quote, even the small mean improvement in disabling conditions without an approved treatment is meaningful, Mathis wrote, adding that its safety profile was no worse than other antipsychotics on the market. Like other antipsychotics, Nuplazid carries a warning on the label of increased deaths in elderly patients with dementia-related psychosis. Since Nuplazid's approval in 2016, Acadia has raised the price twice, and it now costs more than 33000 a year. As New Plazid began to reach patients, reports of adverse events poured in. While it's impossible to ascertain whether the treatment was responsible for them, the sheer number increasing the 887 deaths are mind-boggling said Diana Zuckerman, president of the National Center for Health Research, or the NCHR. No, that's not just a follow-up. In more than 400 instances, New Plaza was associated with the worsening hallucinations, one of, ver- one of very symptoms it was supposed to treat. That's what happened to... Terrence Miller, the former Hewlett Packard and the Sons microsystem employee who was diagnosed with Parkinson's in the early 1990s. About five years ago, Miller began to experience mild hallucinations such as seeing cats and dogs in his home in Menlo Park, California. I mean, there's worse things to hallucinate. I mean, you could hallucinate a six foot five rabbit named Harvey. 
please tell me that there is not a six foot two rabbit standing behind me. Because whenever I ask people to see the big fucking rabbit, they say, I don't see the fucking rabbit. And I know he's there. I know he's fucking there. I ask him for a drink. He just brought me a fucking drink. But no one else seems to see the big fucking rabbit behind me named Harvey. I will literally high five whoever the fuck figured out what I was just referencing there. It's such an obscure fucking reference. Thanks, VHS burned copy of Howard the Duck with the fucking old ass thing on it before the movie Howard the Duck began. But again, that's not really that bad. I mean, it's definitely convenient. Like, you're hallucinating cats and dogs? I mean, are they at least friendly cats and dogs you're, you're hallucinating? Or are they, like, ravenous? Like, like, like church from fucking Pet Cemetery and Cujo? Or are they, like, the Disney versions of cats and dogs that are just, like, super chilled out? I just, I'm just curious. At the time, he realized that the animals weren't real. And that the visions didn't bother him. So he didn't take any medication for them. But two years later, after surgery for after surgery for a hip injury, the hallucinations worsened. Kevin Dorser, right? Quote, He was convinced that he hadn't had the surgery yet, and people were going to harvest his organs. Wow, yeah, that's definitely a huge spike on like the scary charts from just seeing cats and dogs and being like People are going to take my kidneys. Recalled his wife, Denise Sullivan, quote, he'd see spaceships outside of the window and had to call security to help restrain him. Jesus. In 2016, Dr. Salima Brillman prescribed Nuplazid. Miller tried Nuplazid twice for a few months each time. His, hallucination, his hallucinations became darker. Quote, I'd say, who are you talking to? And he'd say, they're telling me to do bad stuff. Who? that's nothing you want to hear, man. That's how uh, the government gets you to do, uh, to do what the government wants you to do. You know, like, shoot up a country music festival from your balcony. Oh, shit. Yeah, that guy was definitely uh, an FBI asset. Guy who shot up that country music festival. No two ways about that shit. He he was he was a government plant. So are most people that do mass shootings. Read the bio. Biased against the state. Yeah, just managed to smuggle all sorts of fucking firearms and shit. Duffel bags full of them. Multiple trips worth of firearms with no one asking questions. Guns too big to fit inside of bags just got into his room. Right. Right. Quote, they're telling me to do bad stuff. Sullivan said, afraid, quote, he might hurt me because of what his evil friends were telling him. Sullivan who was paid more than $1,000 a month for the drug, uh, a month for the drug out of her own pocket, who paid more, she was paying more than $1,000 a month for the drug out of her own pocket, then stopped the treatment. 
What Sullivan and Miller didn't know is that Brillman earned 14497 in consulting fees from Acadia in 2016. Ranking as the company's seventh highest paid doctor, the government's records show. The top five prescribers of Nuplazid in Medicare, the government's health program for the elderly, all received payments from Acadia. Dr. David Kurtzman, why does that name sound familiar? Of Cummack, New York. Cummack, New York? Prescribed the most 1,000, uh, sorry, $123,294 worth of new plazid for 18 patients in, 20, in 2016, according to the data company CareSet. He was paid 14203 in consulting fees, $203 in consulting fees. Brillman and Kurtzman didn't respond to multiple requests for comments. Why would they? Miller's new doctor switched him onto Seroquil, an old drug long used off-label for Parkinson's-related psychosis. With it, he's sleeping better, and the hallucinations, while remaining, have become more benign again. If I've seen cats and dogs again. He walks outside. Is that... What is that? Is that a fucking cat? Emma, there's a weird fucking cat outside on the fucking lawn. I don't want to start on a fight with Lucy. <laughs> Meanwhile, the weird cat on the lawn and Lucy don't exist. They're just his happy little head friends. He's like Bob Ross with imaginary friends. Just in my pocket is nothing, but to me, it's a beautiful little squirrel. Ah. <laughs> uh. Becoming more benign, Sullivan said, patients like Miller who hallucinations worsen may not have been on New Plazid for long enough, said Ridloff. Uh, are you kidding me? Miller's whose hallucinations worsen may not have been on New Plazid long enough, said Ridloff, an Acadia spokeswoman. Yeah, you should have been out longer. Could have killed his entire family. Fucking, uh... Uh... Oh, what's his name? The... The guy who went around and he killed all his family in, his, in the fucking house with a shotgun. No one woke up. Got like a million... Amityville. Like the Amityville kid. Get his, just heard voices in his head and killed his whole family. The 887 reported deaths of new plazid patients may have been an undercount. A nurse in Kansas who specializes in dementia care said a resident in one of the facilities she worked at had no history of cardiac issues yet died from congestive heart failure within a few months of starting new plazid. The nurse requested anonymity because... She continues to work in nursing care facilities. Quote, we question the ordering physician whether it should be reported to the FDA in revelation to Nuplazid. And he said, quote, oh no, the drug rep said this couldn't have happened because of Nuplazid. Yeah, the person who works for the drug company selling us the drug said this couldn't have happened because of the drug we bought from them. 
Otherwise, they'd have to reimburse us. And they'd have to admit that the drug's bad. It's not bad. They said it wasn't. And it was never reported, she said. Acadia's, Acadia's Ridloff said such behavior by, by a sales representative would be, quote, absolutely not consistent with our protocols, policies, and procedures. Yeah, our, our company has a strict rule against you telling patients that it's our drug that hurts them. Don't do that. It makes us look bad. She said that deaths are to be expected among patients who are elderly and in an advanced stage of Parkinson's, but that Nuplazid does not increase the risk of mortality. Quote, Acadia's top priority has been to continue, has been and continues to be patient safety. That's why we had them change the scale in which they rated the approval rate of our drug, so it would be more in our favor. We also greased the palms of a bunch of Parkinson acti- activists so they would come out and say our drug's safe. Oh, we also uh, greased the palms of a bunch of other high-ranking officials in Congress, apparently. <laughs> she said, quote, We carefully monitor and analyze safety reports from clinical studies and post-marketing reports. Remind you, they don't do long-term studies until it's already in the market, as we read earlier. Marketing reporting to ensure the ongoing safety of new plaza based on the totality of available information. Acadia is confident in New Plaza's efficiency and safety profile. End quote. After a, oh, after a CNN report in April about adverse events related to New Plaza prompted lawmakers to question the FDA's Gottlieb said he would, quote, take another look at the drug. Agency spokeswoman Sandy Wallace confirmed isn't isn't Sandy Walsh the chick Chris Chan blames for the entire school career? Oh no, that, that's like Sandy Lee Walsh. Uh, confirmed that an evaluation is ongoing and the FDA, quote, may issue additional communications as appropriate. Nuplazid isn't the only drug approved by the FDA by an FDA senior official against the advice of low-level staffers. In 2016, Internal reviews and advisory committees called for rejecting a drug for a rare muscular disease called uh, Duncan muscular dystrophy, DMD. Only 12 patients partic- participated in a single trial that compared the drug. Uh, Exodies. Exodi? EX. O-N-D-Y-S, Exendi 51, with a placebo. Trials show that Expedin, or Expedi, Exendi? I'll go with Exendi 51, produced a small amount of uh, Strophin? Let's, uh, let's see how this word's pronounced. Dystrophin. Dystrophin. Sounds scary. Dystrophin. Oh, I'm getting it right. Dystrophin. 
Now look at me getting big words right. Dystrophin, a protein Duncan patients lack. That gene? Cannot be saying that right either. I'm not sure I get some names right. I'm getting a lot of names wrong. Duchenne. Oh, Duchenne. Not what I got from the spelling of it, but okay. Duchenne patients. Okay, so. Single trial that compared the drug Exodi 51 to a placebo. Trial results show Expedi 51 produce a small amount of dystrophin, a protein. Damn it. I forgot it was pronounced. Fuck. Duchenne. Okay. Duchenne patients lacked. But the company didn't show that. The protein increase translated into clinical benefits like helping patients walk. Woodcock approved the drug. Internally, FDA documents later revealed that she was concerned about the salt. Ooh, sorry. Solvency of the drug maker. Sparapita. Sparapita. Therapeuticals. Their therapeutics. In Cambridge, Massachusetts. A memo by the FDA's acting chief scientist recounted Woodcock saying that Sarapita, quote, needed to be capitalized. And might go under if Expedise 51 was rejected. <laughs> Expedise 51 went onto the market with a price tag of 300000 a year. Jesus. That's nearly half of what the federal government is threatening to fine people yearly who don't have uh, all their uh, 100 plus employees vaccinated. Quote, we don't look at a company and say they'll have lower standards because they're poor. But we're trying to recognize that. Small or large companies will never work on developing a drug if they won't make a profit, said Woodcock. Quote, our job is to work with the field and with the firms to try and find a path forward, especially on rare diseases where a large trial is impractical, she said. This episode is going to run pretty long. I'm sorry, guys. This article is a lot longer than I anticipated. Last month, the European Medicines Agency Advisory Committee recommended rejecting Expedite 51's application, saying, quote, further data is needed to show lasting benefits relevant to the patient. Wow. Sparpita is asking the committee to reconsider. The company said in, in a June press release, the debate over Expedite 51 centered on the value of a so-called surrogate endpoint, a biological or chemical measure that serves a proxy for whether the drugs actually treat or cures the disease. Surrogate measures speed drug development because they're easier and quicker to measure than patient outcomes. Some surrogate measures are well established. Lowering cholesterol has been proven 
repeatedly to help reduce heart attacks and strokes, but others aren't. Like how much destafin needs to be produced to help Duchenne. To help Duchenne patients raise concerns that the drug may be approved despite uncertain benefits. The jury is still out on two other drugs. Fullotin and Sertunro. 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 Okay. Which received expedited approvals based on surrogate measurements. There is no profit that Fullotin helps patients with rare cancers. Peripheral. Peripheral T-cell lymphoma. That's an actual disease. Okay. Live longer while Sertero and antibiotics for multiple drug-resistant Tuber cirrhosis. Oh my fucking god. This is why I can't be a doctor. Big medical words fuck me up every fucking time. Comes in here like, uh, what is this word? Tuberculosis. I'm retarded. For multiple drug resistant tuberculosis. Has potentially fatal side effects, yet since both drugs were aimed at smaller or underserved populations, the FDA rewarded their manufacturers with valuable <sighs> Let me just show how litter I really am. Watch. So there's gonna be a fucking word, but I'm gonna I'm supposed to be fucking I'm supposed to fucking know and just be able to Requisite. Yeah, I'm retarded. Prerequisite. I need to get glasses. I really do. In a clinical trial, folio time reduced tumors in 29 out of 107 patients. But the shrinkage lasted longer than 14 weeks in only 13 people. So that means after 14 weeks, 13 people's shrinkage in tumors just kind of grew back. Normal-sized tumors have not worked. Since everyone in the study got foliotin, it wasn't apparent whether the drug would help patients do better than a serious side effect would uh, would do better than a placebo or another drug. Meanwhile, 44% of participants in the trial suffered serious side effects, including sores in mucous membranes. Sores in mucous membranes. Weak. Including the mouth, lips, and digestive tract. In the lower levels of blood cells that help with clotting, one patient died after being hospitalized with sores and lower white blood cell counts. All tumor shortages or tumor shrinkages is commonly used surrogate measurements in is commonly used surrogate measurements in cancer trials. It's often has a low correlation with longer life expectancies. According to a 2015 study, quote, 
I would say to a patient, this drug may be more likely to shrink a tumor either practically, either partially or even completely. But that may in fact, the pyric, pyrohic, I fucking hate medical words. Pyric. Pyric. Okay. Pyric victory. If it doesn't help, you live longer or better. Said Mikel Sekeres, director of the leukemia program at the Cleveland Clinic of Cancer Center, who voted against approving foliotine at the FDA's advisory panel discussion in 2009. He was outvoted 10 to 4. Three years later, the European Medicines Agency rejected that drug. Because Ferrifol T-cells, T-cell lymphoma, only affects about 9,000 Americans each year. The FDA designated foliotin as an orphan drug, giving its manufacturer Allos Therapeutics tax incentives and at least two extra years of making exclusively Nevada-based Spectrum Pharmaceuticals acquired Allos in 2012 at more than $92,000 per course of treatment. Fullerton is Spectrum's top-selling product, earning about $43 million in 2017. Eric Jacobson, clinical director of the Adult Lymphoma Program at Dana Farber Cancer Institute in Boston <laughs> has become disillusioned with Fullerton since he helped Allos run the original trial. Quote, enthusiasm for the drug has waned, he said. Quote, it's been on the market for a long time and there's no additional data suggesting benefit. He now prescribes other options first, particularly because of the mouth sores foliotin can cause, which makes it painful to eat or drink. The FDA approved Certero in 2012 without requiring Johnson & Johnson. Hey, look who it is. J&J. The manufacturer of... Uh, sorry, the manufacturer to demonstrate that patients on the drug were cured of tuber tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. Instead, Johnson Johnson only had to show that the treatment, when added to a traditional drug regimen, killed bacteria in the spectrum faster than the ow regimen alone. Sertero was success was successful by that measure, but ten patients who took it died five times as many as the two in the group on the placebo. Man, imagine you die, you get to heaven. Guys, like, yeah, you died from a fucking sugar pill because you thought it was going to kill you. Dean Fellman, a biostatistics statistics expert at the National Institute of Health, or NIH, voted as an FDA advisory committee member to approve 
Zertro, but wrestled with how to read the spectrum data in light of a higher death rate. Quote, the drug could be so toxic that it kills bacteria faster, but it also kills people faster. I mean, that's one way to cure it. Just kill the host. Disease is cured. You know, it, it's that simple. How, how, how do you cure a brain tumor? Well, we shot him in the fucking head with a cannon. And, uh, well, the cancer died with them. So we cure the cancer. And any future problem the patient might have with one simple treatment of 1.5 tons of lead rocketing through their fucking cranium. Cured. Oh, we also cured JFK of his uh, asthma and any other future issues he might have. Politically. And that's what you get for the big, big bitch. <laughs> the imbalance in deaths during the trial, quote, was a safety signal that led the FDA to require, quote, its most serious warning in product labeling, known as a boxed warning, said agent spokeswoman Walsh. This evil bitch. The packaging, she added, specified that Sertero, quote, should only be used for patients for whom an effective TB regimen cannot otherwise be provided. <laughs> Thus, current labeling provides for a safe and effective use. Under a 2007 provision in the user fee law aimed at spurring treatments for developing nations, Sertero's approval qualified Johnson & Johnson's for a voucher given to the manufacturer who successfully got a topical disease drug to market. The voucher can be used in the future for any drug to claim priority review within six months instead of the usual ten. Time is money in the drug industry, and beating your competitor to market can be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Vouchers may also be sold to other drug makers and have garnered up to $350 million Serpita received a voucher under a similar program for pediatric for pediatric rare diseases when the FDA approved Exodi 51 in South Africa, where Sertero is mainly used. The drug is seen as helpful as a helpful option for highly drug-resistant patients. A study at one South African hospital by Dr. Creton. Dr. Creighton, Deda, found that 45 out of 68 patients who took Sertero were cured against as against 27 out of 204 before the drug was available. That doesn't rule out the possibility that Sertero may be killing a small subset of patients, said Deda. I'm not saying data, I'm saying Deda. D-H-E-D-A. That's her name. But the risk is, quote, very minor compared to the disease itself. Adrian Thomas, Johnson & Johnson's vice president of global public health, said in an interview that observational results since the drug went on the market make him, quote, much more confident that there is no more unexplained imbalances in mortality and that the benefit, quote, benefit 
to risk in drug-resistant tuberculosis is incredibly reasonable when you don't have any other treatment choices. Yeah, when you're not competing with anybody, uh, you know, it, it's it's quite useful when it's the only drug you can parry it against. Mm -hmm. Still, the World Health Organization said in 2016, in a 2016 report, that the, quote, equality of evidence remains very low regarding Sertero. Quote, there is still some residual uncertainty for mortality, the group said, and, quote, specific harms to the respiratory system continue to be observed. While the FDA expedites drug approvals, its content, its content to wait, wait a decade or more for post-marketing studies that manufacturers agree to do definitively answers about Sertero are likely to be lacking until 2022, so a year from now, when Johnson & Johnson is expected to finish its study a full decade after the drug was approved. Yeah, I'll be waiting to read that article too. Hopefully it's not an hour and a half long podcast like this one's going to be. Because fucking bitches were long. Really long. God damn it. Uh, when Johnson & Johnson is expected to finish the study a full decade after the drug was approved. Studies of Neuplazid and Foliatin aren't expected until 2021, so this year. Spectrum has missed two FDA deadlines for post-marketing studies on Foliatin. Spectrum spokeswoman Ashley Winters declined the comment. Post-marketing studies often take far longer to complete than pre-approval trials, in part because it's harder to recruit patients to, uh, to risk being given a placebo when the drug is readily available on the market. Plus, since the drug is already on the market, the manufacturer has no longer, no longer has a financial incentive to study its impact and stands to lose money if the results are negative. Of post-marketing studies agreed to, uh, agreed to by manufacturers in 2009 and 2010, 20% had not stated five, have not stated five years later, and another 25% are still ongoing. That's creepy. So when they said they were going to give you the results of these trials, they just were like, eh, don't worry about it. I ain't worried about it, bitch. Why are you worried about it? And despite taking so long, most marketing studies of drugs approval, of drugs approved on the basis of, a basis of surrogate measures rely on proxy criteria, mean fake criteria, Again, rather than examining uh, clinical effects, aka real effects, on patients' health or lifespan. In fact, Fulliton's post-marketing trials will measure what's known as, quote, progressional-free survival. Progression-free survival. Or the time it takes before tumors start to grow back, or grow again, oh Jesus, but not whether the patients live longer. 
taking this, we'll get rid of that tumor, but we'll take 10 years off your life. Oh, well, we got him back 10 years later. Uh, the tumor's still gone, and they only lost 20 years of their life. Doctor, you said 10. I say a lot. I say a lot of shit. You listen? Yikes. Providing that a drug extends survival is especially hard in cancer trials because patients don't want to stay in a trial if their disease gets worse or may want to add another experimental treatment. Quote, in cancer, we're probably not going to get a clean answer, Woodcock said. Instead, the best evidence that cancer drugs are effective would be an increase in national survival rates over time, she said. <laughs> By law, the FDA has the authority to issue fines or even pull a drug off the market if a drug maker doesn't meet post-marketing requirements. Yet, the agency has never, fi- has never fined a company for missing a deadline, according to Woodcock. Quote, we would consider fines if we thought companies were simply dragging out, dragging their feet. Jesus fucking Christ. I have all these notifications set to be quiet. They still pop up. I hate that. Quote, we would consider fines if we thought the companies were simply dragging their feet. But we would have the burden to show they really weren't trying. It can't be that hard to show they're not trying. And it be an administrative thing that companies could contest, said Woodcock. Like cock, and it would. Even when post-marketing studies blatantly confirm that the drug is drugs are dangerous, the agency doesn't always pull them off the market. Consider Ulrich, the gout treatment, even though it's consistently lowered. Uh, uric acid blood levels, the FDA rejected it in twenty in 2005 and again in 2006 because the trials linked it to cardiovascular problems. But a third study by the manufacturer Tekeda Pharmaceuticals of Osaka, Japan, didn't raise the same alarms. So the agency declined in 2009 to let the drug on the market while asking uh, Tekeda, or Tekeda, for a post-marketing study of 6,000 patients to clarify the drug's cardiovascular effects. Ulrich had a 22% higher risk of death from any cause and 34% higher risk of heart-related deaths than patients taking, uh, Allopurinol. Allopurinol. Okay. Patients taking allopurinol, a generic alternative, the FDA issued a public health alert in November 2017, sharing the results of the trial, but left Ulrich on the market. We know it's bad for you, and this over-the-counter cheaper alternative is way better for you, but we're going to keep this bad shit on the market. Fuck you, bitch. Public citizens... 
public citizen has warned patients to stop taking Neolric. Quote, there is no justification for using it, said Carome. Quote, if the results of the most recent study has been available prior to FDA approval, the FDA likely would have rejected the drug. FDA spokeswoman Walsh said it is, quote, conducting a comprehensive evaluation of this safety issue and will update the public with new information when there is new information. Tekeda is working with the FDA to, quote, conduct a comprehensive review. Spokeswoman Kara Hoger said in an email, the company wants to ensure that, quote, physicians have comprehensive and accurate information to make educated treatment decisions. Thomas Moore, senior scientist of drug safety and policy at the Institute for Safe Medication Practices, warned that future post-marketing findings of Nuplazid could have similar could be similarly bleak. Ulrich, quote, is the story of Nuplazid, but a few years down the pike, he said. Nevertheless, the FDA commissioner Gottlieb, or Gottlieb is forging ahead with more shortcuts. In May, he announced plans to approve gene therapies for hemophilia. Remember fear of blood? Based on whether they oh hemophilia. On whether they increase the levels of clotting proteins without waiting for evidence of reduced bleeding. Some dark shit. Two years ago, a president, Dr. Ellis Unger, FDA's director of the Office of Drug Evaluation, had warned against precisely this initiative. After Woodcock approved Exendi 51 in 2016, Unger wrote, quote, a gene therapy designed to produce a missing clotting factor could receive accelerated approval on the basis of a tiny yet inconsequential change in levels uh, in levels of the factor quote uh, quote the proceeding set the proceed, the president set here could lead to the approval of drugs for rare diseases without substantial evidence of effectiveness, like a certain vaccine we all know and worry about. Gottlieb seems less worried than Unger. Quote, for some of these products, there is going to be some uncertainty. Even at the time of approval, Gottlieb said when announcing the plan, quote, these products are initially being aimed at devastating diseases, many of which are fatal and lack available therapy. In these settings, we've terminally been willing to accept more uncertainty to facilitate timely access to promising therapies. His decision pleased investors. That day... While biotechnology stocks overall fell, shares of hemophilia gene therapy manufacturers rose. And that 
is the end of that article by Caroline Chen. Since this episode is running so long, I am going to wrap this episode up here and read the second article for my 1 o'clock upload. I will see you there at 1 o'clock. Have a great rest of your morning. If you would like to read the entire article for yourself, I just read now, but again, I'm not a doctor. A lot of the words, no matter how embarrassing, embarrassingly obvious they should have been to me reading them, I did my best to find the actual pronunciations of them. Again, here, but I highly recommend you read the article for yourself. It will be in the description of this podcast. Go give it a read. Share it with your friends. Get the word out there in general. Okay, that's the official end of this episode.